Welcome to Last in Line Podcast, where we are highlighting, showcasing, and spotlighting great leaders of faith who have overcome adversity, cultivated resilience, and served others in a significant capacity. So settle in and be encouraged by this episode of Last in Line Podcast. Gentlemen, what's up? I want to welcome Skylar Lewis to Last in Line Podcast, who is the founder and CEO of Rise Up Kings in Dallas, Texas. Skylar is a uh, well-known entrepreneur. Uh, he's had several companies. He's an author of a book called Two Day CEO. Uh, he and Rise Up Kings have a mission that is to awaken a generation of men who lead themselves, their families, and their businesses at the highest level to glorify God. Skylar and I talk a lot about uh, mentors and some of the ways he had to learn things the hard way when it comes to leadership, how he became a student of the game, read a lot of books, uh, but really was only scratching the surface. Uh, as he puts it, the experiences are where people sharpen themselves and where the growth happens, which is why uh, not only success in business, but he's created Rise Up Kings where they do experiences, three-day events, where men come from all walks of life, primarily husbands and dads, but ones that are looking for freedom, looking for uh, refined leadership, looking for growth, and they get it all focused around their spirituality and the foundation of Christ. And so Skylar and I talk a lot about that faith, spiritual warfare. We talk a lot about things in his book like cultures of accountability and discipleship and things that will actually move the needle when it comes to making an imprint in this culture that is that is no doubt turning a corner of evil, but guys like us can step in and have a footprint in the right direction in the name and glorification of our God. So I'd like for you to help me welcome Mr. Skylar Lewis from Rise Up Kings to Last In Line Podcast. Skylar Lewis, welcome to Last In Line Podcast. Yeah, happy to be on here. Yeah, man. So uh, love what you're doing with Rise Up Kings. I know you are an entrepreneur, a CEO uh, by trade and have been doing this a little while. You wrote a book last year, I think, um, The Two-Day CEO. And we're going to talk maybe a little bit about that. <clears throat> Before we get into that, though, you you're not discriminated against and you don't get out of some of the fun we're going to have at the beginning. So this is kind of a, kind of a gloves off kind of a <clears throat> ad lib type of deal for you. And we're going to be sitting around in this virtual little coffee shop right now. And you're sitting around talking to your closest buddies. And I want you to maybe finish the sentence for me. I got three or four sentences here. I want you to finish for me. And has as it relates and pertains to your life or what you're experiencing. So let's go. We'll we'll do a softball first. As a husband, I could be more intentional in the area of uh planning out uh date nights. Right. I focus on doing date nights, but in general, I'm not going all out on, on them the way I want to. So I'd say it uh yeah, I'm, I'm, okay. I give them a seven out of out of 10 as far as the experience and the intentionality. Well, and I, I mean, I think guys mostly, I don't know if you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would say guys probably fall in that five to seven out of 10 
probably most guys, you know, that are not as intentional as they want to be with date nights. You have kids. How many kids do you have? Two kids, two boys, uh, seven and 10. Yeah. And especially with, you know, if they're in any kind of activity, it's, you got to really put it in the calendar, right? You got to, you got to make an effort. Okay. How about this one? The biggest, the biggest void plaguing men today is. Uh, Like-minded community. I would say there's a lot of guys out there that feel disconnected and alone in church. There's a lot of guys that struggle uh, not being able to have uh, true, true community, not just, not just some guys you meet at church and hang out and go have coffee with, but like guys that you can be real and vulnerable with. And so that level of being known, fully known. And the only way you can become fully known is when you actually share all of yourself, all of your darkness, everything that's going on. And so there's a, there's a lack of that happening. So a lot of guys not feeling connected in deep community. Yeah. And and that's probably, I mean, I would say that's why they come to you for your events and things like that. I would imagine mm-hmm. is they're seeking, mm-hmm. they're seeking something like that. And then they walk away with probably more than they even bargained for. Um, we'll get into some of that too. Uh, I want to hear more about that. So how about this one? The three keys, and there might be more, there might be less. You can do two or three keys to your success as a leader. Say number one is having a genuine care for the people that uh, I lead. So today we have an event going on, actually one of our refinery events. And so we have a bunch of guys here on our property. We have 16 acres over here in uh, Dallas, Texas, where we run all of our events. And uh, But one of my team members, I could tell they wanted to connect and talk. So I had a conversation with them and really just took 30 minutes out that I didn't have to just check in to see how their life was going. How's their relationship going? What are they struggling with? And so it was really, uh, really powerful. So I'd say care uh, is one. Uh, and I don't always do the best at that. But that's that's definitely been a reason for some success leadership wise. Uh, the ability to be strategic. So a lot of people are, you have tactical leaders and strategic leaders. So my ability to actually be strategic in the way I think about executing a plan. Um, And then uh, number three, I'd say confidence and certainty. Uh, There's a lot of leaders that lack true confidence and certainty when they're leading. Uh, And so uh, really making sure I'm doing the things in my daily life that give me self-esteem uh, following through with my own commitments so I can show up confidently with those around me. Uh, so uh, we have a lot, we develop facilitators and train coaches and facilitators. And like one of my, I can tell right away who has the confidence and who has a false confidence and who has a true confidence when they walk into a room. So I think that people, people are attracted to confidence and certainty. Yeah, they for sure are. And and you would think vocationally, people would be placed in leadership roles with that confidence already. You would think that not many would be made leaders who are not confident, but I guess that we can't always make that assumption. Now in the home is a different story. And as a parent and a, and a, and a husband, I'm sure it's a way different story because you're, you're leading the home, but are you, and, and how confident are you? Cause if you're not confident, most likely they're not following if you think you're leading. Um, so how about this? I look forward to the day when these are great, by the way, Uh, I look forward to the day when I get to see my boys marry a beautiful, loving, kind hearted woman. Man, that's good. I'm one out of three for my boys right now. I've got a daughter who's the last of the 
Mohicans of the four, but my first, my oldest got married um, last month and uh, it's, she's a, she's gold. And so we're one out of three, baby. We That's could get awesome. in the Hall of See, Fame right now if we had to. If the if the season ended now, we're batting three thirty three. So, yeah, love it. yeah, That's no, awesome. that's a good answer. Uh, I get a lot of answers about uh, grandkids. Like, I can't. I look forward to the day whenever I can see my kids understand what real true love looks like. You know, as a parent, I've done it, and but they don't fully get it till they're a parent. Um, so that's a popular answer about their kids. All right, how about this one? The best way, and we only got one more. I, I maybe two more, but. Probably one more. All right. Uh, the best way to ensure your kids own their faith into adulthood is. And let me give you time to think about that, and I'll qualify it for the listeners just a little bit. We can raise them in church, right? But the stat is clear to be 80% or even greater. Kind of walk away from that or lose sight of some of that when they go to college. It's a It's a known fact. So they could grow up in church their whole life. And then for some reason, it's not like they turn away from God, but they just stop really living for him, right? They're, they're, they're not doing the same disciplines, the same kind of gravity toward God as much. So there you go. Yep. I would say being vulnerable in my interactions with my kids uh, around myself personally and around my faith, right? So meaning sharing the struggles that I have. Uh, allowing them to see me as a human, as opposed to the stoic father that has all mm. these judgmental rules that they have to follow. Right. So if I can be in deep relationship, I feel like we've set a good foundation for them, right? They, they understand the Bible, they understand Christianity, but now they want to see it lived out through me. And right. So their relationship to Christianity has a lot is, is, is very tight, is very closely related to the way my relationship with them so if I have a weak relation and, and where relationships are built, they're built on vulnerability and trust. Hmm. And so if we don't have that with my kids, they'll they'll see Christianity as just this religious, um, yeah, dogmatic uh, process that they have to follow and that they have no desire to follow because it lacks relationship. Yeah, yeah, and that that transparency will absolutely look different, take on a more probably a deeper complexion the older they get. I know that has with me and my kids as they're 24, 21, you know, almost 22, that kind of thing. We can kind of be more friends talking to friends, like guys talking to guys. If we need to get eye to eye on, on accountability issue, you know, we can, we can have those real conversations. Your, your kids are in that phase of kind of learning that conversation and what that even looks like to begin mm -hmm. with. But I'm, I mean, it's good that you're starting that early. I kind of wish I'd have gone back and maybe done it, maybe a little deeper earlier. Yeah, um, I, love, I love sharing. I love just being real man with my kids. Like they, they, a lot of dads want to be their, the superhero. Right. And so right. there's nothing wrong, but I want, I, like I, my, my kids' favorite stories are the stories I share that uh, their bedtime stories, like Brendan, my oldest guy, he's 10. He loves hearing about the struggles I had the time I stole a Slurpee at the store, right. The time that I right got bullied the time that I messed up, like he loves hearing all those stories. And so I like to, I want him to just understand that. I'm just a, a human, a, a faulty human being, right? At my core. Yeah. And I, that's why I need God's grace. 
Yeah. And, so. and obviously there's discernment in what you share at, and when with your Not kids. No, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I think I've maybe been a little bit too, almost to a point of they're like, Oh, is he giving me a pass? Cause he did this. And you know, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I did. Well, you got to share the trying. whole story, right? Cause there's That's a right. lesson. There's a lesson in, inside of each story. That's right. Right. So it's not For a sure. glorified sin story. It's like, Hey dude, this was what I messed up on. And these are some of the consequences that, that were That's dealt right. out from this. And so it just helps them kind of live. Uh, yeah. To be able to learn from my own mistakes, but it yeah. also keeps me real. So it keeps me real. A lot of dads aren't willing to be vulnerable. It's cool that you are vulnerable with your kids because yeah. a, lo- a lot of dads are not. They don't share right when their kids are teenagers, the time that they struggled with porn. Yeah. Uh, they're not sharing that stuff. And so like, I've already started opening that up. Like, Hey dude, be careful. Like I've, I've had some issues and challenges because I started yeah. looking at this stuff that I shouldn't have been looking at. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and it's coming at them even at a breakneck speed more than it, it was when we were kids. So yep. yeah, Same you're time. constantly having to, it's a moving target. The goalpost is never stationary. Um, all right, so we're going to dig into the meat and potatoes of this, but maybe give me an idea what your expectation is for if you were to walk past a group of guys that listen to this podcast and you overhear them talking about it, what do you want them to be saying? Like, what do your what would be a be like? You walk away and you're like, yeah, I think I I think we hit that out of the park. You know, those guys got this out of it. Like, what's a walk away win for you today? There's so many. Uh, I mean, a walkaway win in general is somebody understanding that uh, Jesus loves them and that they're that they a desire for a closer relationship. So a walk a walkaway would be them a man saying, you know what, man, the reason I'm having issues in my life is not because of all of this outside stuff that I could improve on, but it's because I haven't spent enough time in the Word and I really haven't been shifting my heart. Because everything comes, most things come down to a heart issue. And so where do you go to work on your heart, right? It's surgically done through spending time in the word and prayer. And so like that to me would be a walk away where a guy feels viscerally connected, like Mm -hmm. and clear on what he needs to do to get to his next level. And it's not just reading a daily devotional. Devotionals are super powerful, by the way. But it's like you need both. You need a devotional and you need to spend five, 10 minutes in the word or 15 to, to actually start to mature. Right. Because my journey was I used to read one verse. I'd read one verse. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm good. I got my verse in for the day. The, you know, the Bible app. I love the Bible app. But yep. like I never matured. I never got to the next level. I was just reading a verse a day. Like you can't mature reading a verse a day. Like you got to have some more depth. Uh, so devotional on top of uh, actual Bible reading, super powerful. Yeah, and and I love that you said that because the Bible even talks about you got to go from milk to meat, right, to solid yep. food. And so, yep. uh, yeah, I think we can whet our appetites to a degree, but that's not, like you said, where the heart transformation necessarily comes. It's a good starting point, um, <clears throat> better than nothing. But uh, so take us through maybe a little bit of your background. I mean, coming up as, you know, teenager, college, that kind of thing, and maybe early professional life. Um what I'm curious in too, as you kind of parlay into that answer, tell me about your dad and your relationship with your dad. I don't know you. I don't know your dad. So if this pulls off a scab that you don't want to talk about, we don't have to. But I'm interested to know good leaders like yourself who are successful that are pouring into other leaders. 
I know they had somebody out there that was good that they they looked at and said, that's what I want to do. Well, tell me about your relationship there and just kind of your upbringing. Yeah. Well, I can tell you off the bat that I was blessed in my relationship with my dad. He was just an overall a good human being, had his flaws. Uh, I can tell you my relationship with my father is much different than the guys that come through our events. Mm-hmm. 80% of the guys that come through our events have had some challenging relationship with their father, like really significant, a dad not being there, an abusive dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's just a, a wider array and it's just so prevalent. So I was blessed. Uh, my dad, my dad just, he, fl- he flies out to Texas to come visit me from California once a month just to come visit wow. and to be with us and the grandkids every month. Uh, like he's always just leaves his job, leaves, leaves his work just to come spend time. Like that's just who he's been wow. my, whole, my whole life. He was the guy that when I was partying and messing around and doing crazy stuff at the age of 21, 22, I could call him in the middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning and said, Hey dad, could you pick me up? I need a ride, man. And he'd say, yep, where are you at? And so he was that guy. That's big. Which yeah. I hope I'm that guy. <laughs> Like, what what the F are you doing? Why are you calling me at two o'clock? Uh, no in the kidding. Morning? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's just like, he was just there. Um, so that was cool. That's my relationship with my, with my father. Uh, just a, a good dude. Uh, a little bit more on the softer, uh, quote unquote, weaker side. Didn't have a backbone for a lot of my life. Love was very loving. And so that's been his journey, really kind of gaining a backbone and learning how to, to step into his masculinity and really take a stand for things that that matter to him. Mm. Um, so for me, man, growing up, I grew up in a town called Hemet. Where, where are you from again, John? Well, I grew up in Oklahoma, but I, I've been in Texas for 16 years. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I grew up in a town, Southern California, Hemet, California and Riverside County area and poor, poor side of uh, town and, and man, just struggled with self-worth issues and securities. And so I I had this desire just to create success and kind of prove myself early Mm. on. Like I I just wanted to be successful, wanted to be an entrepreneur, wanted to prove myself. Uh, And that led me to starting a lot of different companies, a lot of small, small little businesses and stuff went up before I was 18, but then actual companies as I got older and was super ambitious to go create, create, just build, build something where I could, I could, prove myself. And so on that journey, though, I I found my, you know, while I was dealing with insecurities and feeling uh, like I didn't fit in, I found my first porn magazine when I was uh, 12 in a treehouse. Those freaking treehouses, man, you know, you never know what's up there. Uh, Actually, I was talking to a guy at an event uh, this week, he he was about the same age, found his first porn magazine in a treehouse. Um, and so I don't even know if those exist. I don't even know if those exist anymore. The tree houses. I mean, nowadays, I don't even know if those are around. Yeah. yeah, Very rare. Very rare. Now people just grab a phone, but, uh, so yeah, I became addicted and ever like instantly addicted. And I grew up, I grew up, uh, in, in a, in a Christian household, uh, kind of a broken Christian household, but yeah. So, so that, that I, I got hooked on porn, man. And from an early age, I struggled to break free from mm-hmm. porn. And it was an area of shame and guilt, uh, being a man of faith and, uh, struggle with that transparently all the way through my adult life into marriage, all the way through marriage, right. I had a hard mm-hmm. time even just, even if it was a couple times a year, I just was mm-hmm. addicted. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I couldn't break it. Couldn't kick it mm-hmm. until fairly recently, actually. Um, so my journey was, a, yeah, just a journey of dealing with insecurities, pornography, started my first real business, like legit when I was uh, 21, 
yeah. Anyway, I mean, th- th- there's a whole story there on all that stuff, but I'll kind of stop right there. No, that's that's good. Uh, what what about leadership did you notice to be what you wanted to be? Like, was you, you mentioned your dad, some qualities about him, and maybe you took one or two, but was there somebody that was a just you could just tell this dude he walked in and owned a room, but he wasn't prideful, and you kind of got a glimpse of what servant leadership. Anybody come to mind or any? type of person come to mind that's a picture of that not really not gonna have to figure it out on my own okay a lot of, how'd a lot you of do mistakes. that I have, I have a lot of things a lot of ways of not uh, a lot of ways to not lead not examples lead yeah properly right a couple couple things where i, I early, early on it was kind of about me like when i started my companies it was how do i i create more success for myself how do i have a cool car a cool house how do i like how do i so so it was a lot of selfishness in my leadership uh, and that tend to cause a, a lot of issues in the people that I led, right? Because mm-hmm. they could feel it. Mm-hmm. Your team can feel if it's primarily about you. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a good front and a good facade, they'll they'll tell. They know. They know if it's if you're truly in it for them or if you're truly in it for yourself. And so mm-hmm. that's a that's a yeah a game changer when, when I started to realize like, man, I, and it just was feedback, right. I'd have employees leave. I'd get into issues, just major conflicts. And I started to realize like, you know what, this is not working. This is like, something's off. So I had to continue to kind of evolve my leadership skills until finally I found some mentors later on. And I got mm-hmm. to see what a Christian leader looked like someone that knew how to build wealth and, and, and create uh, in the marketplace and so, yeah, the humble, I had a big ego too. I didn't think I had an ego, but I had a big ego. Uh, and that also does not work in leadership. Um, so how do you lead humbly? And um, yeah, leading humbly means you get in there and do the stuff you don't want to do with your team. Sure, sure. And a lot of leaders think that they have to have all the answers and they're not they're not coachable anymore. And And that's where they get into some problems too. I mean, even back to the parenting example of being vulnerable and transparent, Leaders, somebody told leaders, you can't ever show any sort of weakness or any sh- sort of vulnerability that you may not know the answer. Like you can't, I don't know where that came from. That's one of the bigger myths of leadership, but uh, what was the light that went on? I mean, surely it was more than just, oh, a couple people left. Yeah. Luckily I've been in a personal development and coaching early on. So I read a lot of books where I read okay. Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was 17. I read, I just started reading books. So leaders are readers. Yeah. So like people that read tend to have a, tend to lead a, a little bit more effectively because they mm-hmm. can consume and learn from books. Uh, so I'd say relatively early on in my business career. Yeah. I, I brought in a coach. I was ready to sell one of my companies when, when I was younger, brought in a coach to help me sell it. And uh, I talk about it in my, my book. Um, and yeah, I brought him in and, and said, dude, I got a cancerous team. Like I, I I'm done with this thing. Help me, help me prepare it, get it all ready so I can make the most on the sale. And so he met the team, did a full, full, uh, went through a full process to see like what needed to be done. Then he, he came and met with me and he said, Hey, Skylar, uh, so here's the deal. Um, the problem with your business is, is you. That's not your team members. It's you showing up late to the office that's causing your team to lose respect for you. Mm. It's you not doing the, not following through with your commitments that you committed to to your team members. It's you breaking your word. It's all of these things that has led your your company to what it is now. 
And so he's like the to get this thing corrected, man, it is it's up to you. You actually have to be the one to change. It's not your team. And mm-hmm. so that was a gut punch for sure. Cause I li- I thought I had the, some, uh, some bad team members, which I did, but I didn't realize I had caught, I had actually caused that in my business. So that was a major shift where I started to do a lot more reflection and how I led and who I was in my company. That's crazy. I mean, that was probably the last thing you expected when you hired this guy. You're paying I was for upset, him to tell actually, you you're a bad like, leader. Dude, I, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I paid you to tell it's to, for you to tell me it's me that needs to change, right? Like I was, I was paying you to help correct the team and work with the team and figure out yeah. what they need to do differently. So. Yeah, you just needed like a, you just needed a doctor feel kind of a third party for them to feel safe enough to open up and and tell because yeah. they didn't, they clearly didn't tell you. Um, well, okay, so you kind of mentioned parenting a little bit, and it sounds like you're you're dotting all the I's crossing all the T's there. Uh, marriage. I'm assuming you're, you know, you're probably a, you've got it figured out there too. Maybe not everything. You're not perfect. We get that. Every I'm going to qualify every statement I go forward with as that we're not perfect. We're always work in progress, but tell me if, if being a good family man translates into being a good business leader or vice versa does one come before the other or do those skill sets kind of bounce off of each other and and parallel at all and if they do how in your life have they sort of so like your your skills that make you a good dad and a good husband and a leader at home and effective and good and a servant there do those translate into man you're a really good boss too in the in the office yeah we have a saying at rise up kings the the way you do one thing is the way you do everything Right. And so we use that regularly because a guy will will cut a corner on an experience or an exercise. And then we get clarity. It's a uh, microcosm in his world that shows that the way he's doing that, right, that's showing up somewhere else in his life. Hey, gentlemen, I want to take a step back from this conversation real quick to just let you know of a free resource I have available coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, all you have to do is email me, lastinlineleadership at gmail.com, and give me your address, email address, uh, and I will send you this resource. It is all about strategic spiritual warfare, learning who our enemy is, what he's about, what his tactics are, and what we have available to fight against him. Uh, I want to thank our partners, Uncommon, where they are equipping men to be the husbands, fathers, and leaders we were called to be. Thank you for your support. Thank you for partnering with Last in Line. And let's get back to the conversation we're having with our great guest here at Last in the Microcosm. And so, yeah, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So, man, the way I lead in my marriage, the character that I have in my marriage, the truth that I speak into it, the intentionality shows up in business. And so, they're they're both there. It's it's it's. What's needed, right, for us to be have a better business or have a better marriage always starts with the work that we do on ourselves. It's not waiting for our spouse to change or our employees to change. It always starts with the work that we do on ourselves. So that's been my that's been my journey, realizing that. And so, yeah, hundred percent, when I'm not showing up effectively in my marriage, it does affect my business. When I'm fighting with my wife, it's affecting my career. And my professional life, it's in my head. Uh, when I know I'm not doing what I should be doing in my marriage, like I'm, I'm not being present, or maybe I'm on my phone right when I get home and I'm not connecting with the family, like I care, I know I should be doing something different. And so it shows up, it hurts my self-esteem, it hurts my power, it takes from my power in my business. And so they're completely tied together. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I agree hundred percent. And and I wonder, cause, cause there is a dichotomy in some guys where they just kind of lead two different lives, right? I have this hat on for eight to yeah. five and then I come home and I have a different hat on, or I'm not even wearing the hat because I'm just unplugged, disengaged. Um, what, let me, this is kind of a two-part question. So transition a little bit into rise up Kings and, and that's, I, I love that whole, I mean, I can't believe you don't have the new sign behind you. You may not even be in the same room, but I saw you, I saw you posted, you got your new sign. That's, it's pretty dope, man. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty pumped on that new sign. Where's that? At right I there? can't believe it's not back behind. Yeah, uh, I know. Good, man. Yeah. It's good. Um, but I, I love all that, that I see the content. I mean, you, you're out there, you're present and you're, you're pouring into these guys. So twofold an- uh, question here. What would you say is in corporate America, the guys that come to your events, just dads and husbands, dudes, maybe not all of them are, maybe they're all, some of them are single and younger, but what are they coming to you most searching for? And then if, they when they leave and they've grown, what's kind of the the biggest kind of takeaway and area of growth you're seeing in these guys that pass through? Hmm. Yeah, so good. Very rarely does anybody get to uh, dive into an experience that actually transforms them from the inside out. Right? A lot of a lot of guys we read books. Books are fantastic, except they lack the experience, so it doesn't change you to your core. It's the only challenge with books. Hmm. Um, so. Uh, guys typically attend our event if they become aware that they are missing something in their lives. Maybe they're not being present with their family or they realize they're not reaching their potential. They're stuck, right? Maybe they're stuck at a certain point in business or a certain point in their career, or maybe they're struggling with porn or struggling with some addiction or alcohol or sedating, right? Mm -hmm. There's just some area that they're clear, like, man, I got, I got to work through this thing. And I know there's a next level for me. So that's really where most men come to our events and they come to our events because they, uh, they, they want to do something that's faith-based too. So I did a lot of uh, secular personal development, Tony Robbins, spent some time with him, a lot of time with him actually, and uh, all kinds of other seminars. And they're all about personal power, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, Hey, you can do this on your own. It's mm-hmm. like, ah, no, you can't. You need God, actually. Mm-hmm. So that's most secular personal development. I mean, most influencers, like, so I, I have to be really cautious with the advice that I take from people that aren't Christians mm-hmm. because it's 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 not uh it's it's typically missing a key component of faith. And so it could throw me off. It could totally take me off my faith game. And so I'm so I, I was like, hey, where do where the heck do I go to level up to a place that's cool? There's a it's not ultra religious, but it's it's got a foundation of faith. So we kind of created, we created that. So we're a faith-based personal development, like one of the, one of the f- largest actually in the right now that is stri- strictly faith-based. So guys come with that mindset. They come with that mindset. They know something's wrong or, or missing and uh, they might be in a good, they might be good, but they're looking for great. They're looking for the next level. 90% it, are Christian then you would say. Probably 95% of the guys that come through are Christian. And then a lot of guys are on the edge. They're like, not sure. They grew up in a religious household, but it was overly religious. So there's just the guys, we have guys that haven't ever read the the Bible, but they they know there's a, they know there's God out there. And so they, they usually have a pretty profound experience, actually, those guys specifically. So, okay. And then, so the, the other part of that, I guess the growth, and I know you were getting to that and I probably cut you off, but other than that sort of, 
said they, uh, thing that they're trying to overcome, like an addiction or whatever, other than that, that tangible one clear thing, are you seeing sort of a common thread when they all leave? It's like they have this confidence, like you talked about earlier, or they have this sort of different air about them, or maybe they all grew spiritually. I don't know what you can accomplish in X amount of days, but yeah, yeah. talk about that. Yeah, it'd be surprising. It's funny. We do a lot of Facebook advertising. I, it's so funny when I see the comments like, hey, three days, you can't change in three days. It's like, man, you'd be surprised what God can do to a man in three days. Like, yeah. are you underestimating the king? That's and right. What he's capable of like you can create you can. I mean, dude, someone could get in a car accident and forever be changed their entire life. Yeah. Like you don't you don't need a year to change. You could get yeah. it done in a, a day of deep work that could forever shift you. Yeah. Uh so so it's not yeah, I get it if you're maybe at a convention or where people are teaching on stage, but that that's not what this is. We have a bunch of experiences we take guys through. So I I think the uh what they walk away with, they walk away with a new level of of power and confidence, knowing that they, they've probably done the, the hardest thing emotionally and physically and spiritually and mentally they've ever done in their lives. And so it just they have a whole new level of fortitude, of fortitude that's built and then a whole new level of confidence. Uh, and then they also walk away uh, free. We give them an opportunity to, to be real through the whole event and the level of freedom that I mean, we have guys that have never watched porn ever again since coming through our event, like gone, done like that. Uh, it's amazing. So freedom, freedom is just a power because your, your power increases the the more you can bring the, the more you can reduce the darkness in your life. Like you can, you gain more power. And so we just have more powerful, confident, strong, committed, intentional uh, men that step out uh, with some additional skill sets and tools to utilize. Yeah. Well, I so mean, those are a couple of the common things that, that again, if you can go get that anywhere, right, go get it, right. Whether it's at rock or, 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 or church or, or wherever that may be, like if you can regain confidence, gain additional power, gain a, a level of freedom, like, yeah, man, search that out. So we just happen to be a hub for that. Yeah, that's good. And, and, and I mean, there's no doubt that when you're, when you're tethered to some of that dead weight, you are less free, right? You're restricted. And then yeah. you start exposing some of the darkness, right? And you start shining some light on it. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, now I can name that thing. Now I can address it. Now I can kind of cut it loose because I know it doesn't have that authority over me. And so that's, yeah, freedom's a big, big word there. That's good. Um, I, I, I'd love to... Uh, it'd be cool to to talk to some guy. I'm sure you've get some testimonials after that you maybe put together videos and stuff like that. But do you have a culmination at the end of the three days? Do you have sort of this, I don't know, maybe spiritual awakening moment? Do you have sort of this big time of prayer where everybody's kind of how do you how do you kind of drop the gavel on that event at the end? Would you say do you have something like that? And that's just for my own personal. I don't, are you yeah. giving, I don't want you to give it away if you're totally, if it's I, I won't, I won't give it away. So yes, we do. We have some pretty okay. powerful experiences that, uh, that we take the guys through on the final five hours of the event. So it's, it's three days, but it's 14 hours a day. So it's really, it's really a whole, it's five, it's five days worth of an event in three days. So it wow. is, um, so yeah. So on the final five hours, we do some really powerful experiences that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, rite of passage uh, of sorts. So 
Speaking of rite of passage, I don't talk about this enough on on these podcasts, but I wonder, do you have a thought on that? Because it feels like some of that has kind of become obsolete in our culture now, like dads and ki- and their sons and rites of passage. And I'm speaking to myself too. Like I don't have necessarily things ceremonial. Do you find value in that concept? Do you do anything or do you have anything planned? Obviously your kids aren't quite to that 13 or whatever, but uh, what are your, what are your thoughts? I didn't even have that plan to talk about, but since you mentioned that, I mentioned that culmination thing. I wonder, do you have any thoughts on, on rites of passage and how we bring that back if there's value? Yeah, there's a really good book on that called The Intentional Father. Okay. Uh, really good book. So for those men that are on this, listen to this, that's a really incredible uh, book. And this guy took his son on a journey, I think from started when he was around 10, all the way until he was 18, an intentional journey. Every week, mentored his son every week until he was 18. Uh, and then had to write a passage when he was 13. Really, a really powerful journey, a very intentional journey. Uh, and he shares his whole story around it and all the stuff mm-hmm. he did. Uh, so yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of rite of passages uh, because I'm a fan of experiences, intentional experiences to shift somebody. So if I can take my son through an intentional experience that creates a new belief system of power inside of himself and strength and confidence, like I'm going to plan that out. Uh, and also, I, I'm a fan of trials. Right, James one, yep. two, three, and four states. Uh, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work. So you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the key to maturity, the key to being whole is through trials, is through the difficulties. Like that's what the best scriptural. So I'm going to facilitate some difficult times for my son. Uh, I hope he goes through some trials. I hope he goes through some hard times because like that causes us to lean into God and to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have the right mindset, if you're not a Christian, then it, trials are are uh, annoying and devastating for you. If you're a Christian, trials cause you to lean into God and actually start to refine you. So yeah, I would say a rite of passage yeah. for me would be just a series of trials and some powerful experiences. And really that's kind of, what Ruck is partially is a rite of passage for men uh, in a way. Most men haven't gone through a rite of passage. And so we've created a a, a process for that. Yeah. But yeah, great question, man. I That's love good. that question. That's good. No, I need to be more conscientious. And mine are a little older, but I don't think it's ever too late for something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, steel's forged in heat, right? So heat yeah. and pressure and friction and all these things, sharpening knives. I mean, how else do you sharpen a knife but with friction and heat? Um I got a couple things and I know you, I know we're up against time. Um, so I, spiritual warfare has been on my heart for a, a few months. I mean, it's always a thing as a Christian, but I don't know why, but everywhere I turn just because I think of where culture is and how twisted and sick and evil, everything is, seems like is being more pre- prevalent. Do you have any sort of, other than reading the word, that's a big thing and praying, praying, would you consider yourself this spiritual warrior? Like, do you take that? I know you take it seriously, but how do you take it seriously? How are you better at engaging in that war? Are you, is it something that's on your mind all the time? Because guys, if we can get this man, everybody around us can win. If we can engage in that spiritual battle, talk about a little bit of spiritual warfare in your life. That's good. That's good. Uh, so a couple of things around that one is, uh, 
Satan is not omnipresent. So he's not everywhere at once. God's omnipresent. Yep. So that's the cool thing. So what happens is a lot of guys, I, I believe in spiritual warfare and I believe it's critical to understand it. And I'm going to share one side of it and I'll share how I protect myself from it. Okay. So Satan's not omnipresent and neither are his demons. So that means that when we're struggling, when we have a desire to watch porn or cheat on our wife, probably most of the time it's because of your own mindsets and neural pathways in your own patterns. It's not necessarily Satan attacking you because he's in one place on the entire planet. He's in one place at a time. So we have a lot of people on this planet. He's he's not personally sure. attacking uh, me and his demons. There's I don't believe there's that many demons per person. So the chances of a spirit now, now, now he the, so they're not in most of the time, it's not a personal attack on you, but this larger spiritual warfare is when they're attacking culture there and when go. they're attacking some of these larger pieces that yeah. majorly affect us. So uh, it, inadvertently, right, or, or, That's or right. I not like directly, that. there's a spiritual warfare going on, but we're a lot of times people you know, will say, hey, I'm getting, being attacked by Satan. Eh, I think you just messed up and slipped up and looked at your phone and shouldn't have looked at your phone, right? And so you need to have processes and things in place yep. to support you not doing that right and and not use not with us not use and but sometimes satan is attack or the, the we are under a spiritual attack and so the the way that i combat that is one is like you mentioned staying in scripture and putting the armor of god on yeah so i'm more likely to do stupid stuff with a, with when i don't have the armor of god on if i'm not in the word like and so the second thing is being around other like-minded brothers. So whether mm -hmm. it be guys at church or somewhere that we can pray for each other and support mm -hmm. each other, uh, because that's a critical piece because there is a war going on uh, in yeah. the spiritual realm, 100%. Yeah. And so like, I, I want, so, and then the third thing is praying with power, mm -hmm. actually learning how to use prayer to, mm -hmm. to break bondages uh, because there are, uh, the demons do have some unique abilities to set some things up. And man, if you don't know how to pray with that power to release some of these strongholds, like people can get tied up and then get stuck in stuff that they shouldn't be stuck in. And so, yeah. um, so those are a couple of the ways that I, how I think about it and then how I prevent and prepare and kind of break some of those strongholds. Yeah, no, it's good, man. Um, I just wrote and about to, get in the publishing process of uh, a, a guide book for that, like something oh, strategic, nice. something strategic. That's like yeah. kind of yeah. short, but guys can digest, but it's powerful. And so I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like that's just heavy on me lately. And, and so I, I wanted to ask you that and, and get your take. It's a real I, deal. I, Cause I, I, yeah, yeah, I feel it at our events. I can feel, I can feel when we're being attacked at our heavy. events. Yeah. And uh, totally, especially the more, the more you like probably with some of your work and the impact you're making with your podcast and the, and the things you're doing, like, yeah, the, it increases the likelihood of, of attacks, right? The more we're, uh, uh, the more we're yeah. doing God's work. So we and just have to be I, really thoughtful. I wonder that. I wonder if people that aren't as in tune with their faith and walking with God closely, 
I wonder, are they just being kind of ignored when they aren't feeling that that whole heaviness of, of warfare? Or are they just not cognizant of the fact that that's what it is? Like I, Because I firmly believe what you said. Like The closer we are to God, man, another level spiritually, we're going to see another devil. And he just ups his game when we up ours. Mm-hmm. And we got a target on our back. The closer we get, the more like Christ we become. Mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, and the other way, is he just kind of like, those dudes will screw themselves up. You know, they're, they're going down the wrong path. <laughs> well, sin. So sin, yeah. right. He's created a world of sin. 100%. So he doesn't even need to do much. He's That's just right. set up the, he set the whole plate, the whole field up to be a, mm-hmm. a landmines. That's so right. it's already set up. Like if, so if we don't have faith, we're just going to keep walking in the landmines that is getting blown up and having all these issues. He doesn't have to do anything. It's already prepared that way. Like yeah. our world's built. This is his playground. He's built it this way to where we're screwed if we don't have Christ. Like we're going to make some dumb decisions. And so if we have Christ, we have a much better shot. That is of that's not true. not hitting those landmines. No, that's good, man. I'm glad you said being with other believers and, and having guys that you can call and it's just a matter of, but you've got to do the work. You've got to pick up the phone and dial the number and say, dude, I'm struggling. I feel this weight of spiritual, something's going on in the mm-hmm. spiritual realm. Like you got to be able to take that initiative, but last one and apologize to your wife for me if you're late. <laughs> all right. But um, yeah. here we go. I, I, I wanted to, add, so you mentioned something in your book called, um, I guess creating this culture of accountability um, and kind of ties into what we're talking about a little bit. And if we can take it down that context of spiritual accountability, those kinds of things um, have, why is that have got, why is accountability gotten such a dirty, why is it just a, such a dirty word? If you think it is, because I think it's become sort of taboo to say accountability because, Oh my gosh, now you're babysitting me. Now you're micromanaging me. Now you're all up in my business, you know, go do you and I'll do me, my truth, your truth, that kind of, how do we, or am I off base first of all? And second of all, how do you create a culture of, of accountability in, in the guys that you're working with? Yeah. First off, I would say uh, high performers are more, are okay with accountability. They yeah. enjoy they enjoy accountability. Now you try to add accountability or clear objectives to somebody that's an average performer. They're going to feel off. They're going to not like it. And now accountability could be a bad word depending on people's experiences with it. If they've had some mm-hmm. bad micromanagers, yeah. some people that have micromanaged or not done accountability right. So I, I'm the type of guy I'm going to provide people accountability and create a cult. What I mean by a culture of accountability, because uh, you can have self accountability. Sure. I don't need somebody on top of me all the time, but I'm going to create self-accountability. I'm going to have a spreadsheet that the whole team sees where I put uh, my objectives on, right? Mm -hmm. So we've created a culture of accountability in our companies where things are transparent. So if somebody's not performing, the whole team sees it. So we're not holding everybody accountable. We're creating transparency Mm -hmm. and therefore like it's their own accountability and we see who the high performers are and who, who aren't. So, so I, I love that level of accountability. I don't like micromanagement accountability mm-hmm. and some people need it. I have a client talking to today and yeah, he's text me once a day of like, I'm not going to text him, but he texts me once a day with whether or not he completed his objectives. So it's just each person's unique, but cr- yeah, I, I, I enjoy accountability done the right way. Yeah. Okay. And, and that makes a lot of sense. And, and I wonder how we can translate that into Spiritual accountability, because I think uh, this is my opinion, but guys get on fire for God. They go to church, they get in a men's group and it's great. But then we get to this level of, hey, 
let's talk once a week about what's going on. Hey, let's talk about a Bible verse each week, you and me. Let's 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 do life. Let's walk this out. You know, then it's kind of like eh, the church got a little weird. You know, everybody wants to know how I feel. They want to kind of watch over, and that's not what it's supposed to be, and and it shouldn't be that. But do you feel like that's why guys sort of peter out in the whole discipleship yeah. track? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the, the the biggest growth I've ever had spiritually was in a men's group long term, meeting once a week and having having some conversations and accountability. Yeah. The biggest growth, the most profound growth I've ever had was studying scripture and doing life with other brothers uh together. By far. By far. So like if you're not in a men's group, you're doing something totally wrong. Mm-hmm. You have to be in a men's group. You have to be reading scripture or studying or just being around other guys where you can share, dude, I jacked up last week, looked at something I shouldn't have looked at. Yeah. Or, hey, man, I'm struggling with depression right now. Like, I don't know what's going on. Some guys yeah. you can be truthful with, a group of guys. And and how you, like, I, that's my favorite thing to do is launch men's groups. That's my, that's what I love is getting a bunch of men together. We have hundreds. That's... I mean, we've had over 1,500 people come through our events. And, and I love creating groups of men creating some accountability, creating some community, creating truth inside the group where everybody's real with each other and then creating a process for meeting every week moving forward. And so like whatever guys find it at church, find it somewhere, make sure it's real though. Make sure you, it's not a fluffy church group. It's actually a a group of guys that are willing to be real with each other. That's good. No. And don't let me forget. I want to send you a copy of this book that I just wrote once I get it. Cool. Once I get copies, because I think yeah. maybe it would apply to some of the work you're doing. Um, all right. So what do you want me, before I let you go, what do you want me to put in the notes? Like, what links do you want me to have people track you down at? Do you want them to go to riseupkings.com? Do you want them to go to, tell me what best ways to find you and maybe reach out to you? Yeah. I'd say for for men that are looking to get to the next level and are looking for something faith-based, Rise Up Kings is pretty epic. So riseupkings.com. They can check out our events that we have on there. And then uh, they can follow me on social media, Skylar Lewis, S-K-Y-L-A-R Lewis. And uh, I put a lot of content on social media. And then for those business owners that are on the call, the two-day CEO book is a pretty cool book that details how do you grow a, a company? How do you how do you systemize a business? And my my stories and my journey through that process. So I think those those very are cool. Do you have a uh, do you have a mastermind currently? Yeah. No, yeah, we have, yeah. Once the only access, the only way you can get to that mastermind is through attending an event. Got so it. we don't have any ones that people can join. They have to come through the event. And then Got when it. that bond is built with brothers that they went to war with, then, then they have the, the opportunity to run with each other for the next. It's a great, that's a great concept. I like that. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, Hey man, I, it's been great. It time yeah. flew by, man. I'd love yeah. to maybe down the road, do it again. I'm glad I kept after you. I mean, a couple of years ago I reached out and I don't know what happened, but I, I wasn't very good at follow-up, but I'm glad we tracked each other down and this has been awesome. I enjoyed it. Audience. He's been Skylar Lewis. We've been last in line. Be blessed. <laughs> <laughs>